We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Troche, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92, and you can follow me at Bill Troche. Keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. It is time to start looking ahead and you got a home game this weekend, Bill. You spent last weekend in South Bend. It was not an easy travel situation, not an easy sleep situation. You got back for a youth football game on Sunday. Are you ready to have a home game? Yeah, it should be a fun weekend. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I, it's it's not a bad. It's not probably as loaded as last weekend, but there's plenty of intrigue this weekend and. It's going to be fun. I mean, this is with last week of September. We'll get into October. You'll see the college football playoff come into focus and should be a fun day. Yeah. What did I tell you? Eight or nine power five power five teams are double digit road favorites. Mm-hmm. Which means It's ripe. We're ripe this weekend for some underdogs to pull off some double digit uh, upsets. And uh, we don't know where they're going to be, but that's a lot. That's a lot of teams. A lot of the big favorites are on the road. They're playing conference foes. And that's when you see teams sort of trip up a little bit. Um, So we will give our viewers guide and then get into our confidence contest. Hopefully people followed our picks last week. We both did well. I will uh, kick this thing off, though, with some Trochi trivia. And I'm 99% sure you're going to get this one. But mm-hmm. uh, I want to lift your spirits. It'll frustrate you. have been chasing sources all week. You're right. banging your head against the wall a little bit. Here's a Trochi trivia right up your alley in honor of the Michigan-Nebraska game. Okay. okay. Michigan-Nebraska, they play this weekend in Lincoln. The Trochi trivia is, can you name the two starting quarterbacks from the Nebraska-Michigan 2005 Alamo Bowl that ended with eight laterals on the final play of the game and half of Nebraska's team on the field. Where's the flag, Bill? Where's the flag for too many men on the field on that one? 
And uh, yeah, so we will revisit that. But you can tell me your memories of that game right now if you want, but we'll revisit the uh, starting QBs at the end of the show. Yeah, that was a, I remember that game very well. It was, uh, <laughs> it was very interesting. Um, and I do know the quarterbacks. I, I do. I, I, now that you bring up Nebraska and where that guy is now, we'll, we'll save that for the end. But um, yeah, it'll be a, it was a good, Eight that laterals. Was, Eight that laterals. was a crazy ending to a game that is part of, you know, when I, I will say this, when I was breaking down Michigan, Tennessee, um, or Michigan TCU last year, that Michigan's big 12 bull history is not great. They've lost to Kansas state and Nebraska. And um, that one was another one where Michigan probably should have won that game. And Nebraska wasn't as good as them and ended up winning. And that last play was pretty wild. I think Mike Hart had one of the last laterals in that deal. Maybe they'll ask him about that this week. I'm sure he'll, he won't want to answer that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's get into the viewer's guide. Here's my note here. Nine top 25 teams going on the road for conference games this week. So, like I said, could be an upset Saturday. Don't know where they're going to be. Although, I will tease you. I looked at your picks, your top 25 picks against the spread at SportingNews.com. I think there are 18 or 16. Uh, 16 Yeah, 16 this week. 16. You pick 15 favorites to win. So you're not thinking there's going to be many upsets, but um, there's yeah. You had had one upset pick, and it was actually on Friday night. So your Saturday, you're predicting an upset-free Saturday for the top. Kentucky, Kentucky, by definition, is an upset. No, they're favored by two and a half. They've won three out of five in that series. By definition of that, is it's (laughs) they're they're not ranked. They probably should be though. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. So all right. Speaking of Friday night, let's start there. Uh, number 10, Utah at number 19, Oregon State, 9 o'clock on FS1. Uh, Oregon State is favored by three and a half. We get a little Friday night delight here. Um, will we see Cam Rising? He warmed up before the UCLA game in pads for the first time, but watched it in T-shirt and shorts. Uh, he's splitting reps in practice with Nate Johnson. No limitations. My guess is he plays this week. That's, but you know, Kyle Whittingham will not say, but it seems like there's nothing left for him to, to get going. But, you know, not, I'm not an insider or anything. I think he plays. Utah's 4-0. Um, 
but against their three power five opponents, they are averaging 19 and a half points a game. That's not enough to continue to be undefeated through their loaded Pac-12 there. Um, they got some banged up running backs, but the defense has been unreal. Number six in the country in scoring, nine and a half a game. Uh, Oregon State rallied against Wazoo, but they were never really in the game. Uh, I don't think they ever had the ball with a chance to tie, even in the second half. They, they were definitely in a hole the whole game. Um, both teams, top 10 run defenses. Both offenses are kind of run first. So it should be a, should be a fun one on Friday night. Yeah, uh, I, I think I got Utah winning. Uh, they're the better team. They've won six out of the last seven. Uh, their defense, it was ugly last week. It doesn't, they're another team that falls under the category of it doesn't have to be pretty. I mean, it is a tough road environment, and that is the Pac 12. And if you're going to beat Utah, you got to beat them when they get out of their home stadium. So right. it'll be fun, though. That's a good, they're, the last couple Friday nights haven't had like a legit game. This is ranked on ranked. It'll be fun. And uh, we'll see if Cam Rising plays. And I, I think if he plays, there'll be some, they'll work in Johnson as well. He'll still play some, but uh, you know, for Oregon state, they can't fall in the same hole that they did against Washington state last week. And I don't know. It, it'll be a tight game. I, I it, it feels like a 27, 24, 24, 21 type game. And then Louisville NC state playing on ESPN, I think at eight o'clock on Friday night too. So, Two good ones. Brom will be ranked soon. We had them. No, we didn't have them ranked, but we're close to having them ranked. And I think if they win, they'll be ranked next week. Right. And that sets up another Louisville, I mean, a Notre Dame opponent who's uh, surprisingly undefeated, surprisingly ranked in the ACC. So anyway, uh, let's move into Saturday, the noon window, the big noon on Fox. Number eight, USC at Colorado. USC by 21 and a half. And, you know, Colorado was obviously exposed defensively last week. Uh, They are ranked 128th in the nation in total defense. And USC is 72nd. They're making USC look like a juggernaut on defense with the 128th. I mean, USC is number one in the nation in scoring, 55 points a game. Uh, How is this not a bloodbath? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Colorado will score some points at home, and USC's defense isn't great. And it's not, this isn't the same defense that Colorado faced against Oregon last week. And if they don't have Travis Hunter, it's a problem. USC, I mean, it's just a matter of how many stops can Colorado actually get. I I got suckered in. I mean, when you look at the spread, 22 and a half, you're like, okay, is USC really going to win this game by four touchdowns? at home and you kind of do the math of it. And I don't know. I I, I think this will be the peak of the Dion viewing experience. I think it'll draw more viewers than last week because it's USC. And then if they get blown out again, the bandwagon, that's how these things work. I think the viewing for the last seven games won't be nearly as much. I think the media attention will fall off a little bit because the media attention has moved from Dion Sanders to Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. So that's all my timeline is. So, you know, I didn't have that on the bingo card either this year, but it's there. So I, I do. I think they'll get beat probably by two or three touchdowns. And then then the real work begins of getting Colorado in because playoffs done then. No fantasies of a national championship this year or any of that kind of stuff. And the work begins to try to get to Colorado to stay focused and get them to a bowl game. Something tells me you're not a Swifty. 
No, I mean, we bought the tickets for Bella. Um, I don't okay. want to tell you what they, so we bought, this is the Swift phenomenon. Kimberly, my wife tell you, you have to be, she had to be in a window for like, it, it's there and it closes. And this is for a concert in 2020. I'd have to ask her. She's in the other room, but 2024 in Indianapolis, not this year, next year that you have to buy the tickets now. And I, they weren't, we got them at face value, so they're not bad. But like when you read stories of people paying eighteen hundred dollars and two thousand dollars to go to a Taylor Swift conference or a, a concert, this college football stuff don't mean that much. So uh, back to D. Uh, Shiloh Sanders is hurt. I don't, doesn't look like he's going to play. Uh, I don't know if you saw the clip. Uh, Dion was talking. Someone asked him about Cormani McLean. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? The five star mm-hmm. DB. Yeah, I loved his answer. Yeah, and he's not it. playing, and you know, you, it's hard to you got to treat a lot of these five stars with kid gloves as freshmen if they're not playing because you don't want them to transfer. And Dion did not treat him with kid gloves at all. I love it because he's not treating him with kid gloves. You're not doing him any favors. Yeah, go transfer and go play for Georgia or Alabama. That's fine, but it's not going to help him in the NFL. <laughs> Because you will not get treated with kid gloves in the NFL if you're a five star. They don't care. So <laughs> I love Dion Dion's answer. It was about accountability. It was said in the public. Of all the things that have been said about coaches and all these WWE promos they're cutting this week, that was one of the best things I saw. Yeah, he said basically I can tell how much film they're watching on their iPads. He gets the report every week. He's like, show up to meetings, show up to practices, get better every day. And yeah, he did not paint a positive picture so far for Kamari McClain. Huge recruit. It was he was top ranked recruit in this recruiting class. Yeah, I mean they got him. He's supposed to go to Miami, and you thought, you know, that's a lot of it. I, and Dion, if anybody's going to hold you up to a standard at corner, it's Dion. So I, I was totally cool with that. I saw Charles Robinson's retweet of that. I watched the whole clip, and mm-hmm. you know, for all the things like I said, these coaches are saying this week. That was a uh, that was good messaging. It was. It was. That was interesting. So, all right. Uh, one last note on that game. QBs uh, have combined for 26 touchdowns and one interception, which is pretty good. Uh, well, I was going to say, we had a story at Sporting News, and I looked it up. So, let's say Caleb and Shador are future number one picks somehow. And it, ha- it just happens the next two years. Uh, the last time you had a regular season game between two number one picks, this would have been a good Trochi trivia, was Peyton Manning and Tim Couch. I loved it. I loved it. That was Actually, a great stat. Uh, how, and we'll tell our listeners, they passed for 999 yards combined <laughs> in that game. And I and I think Tennessee won 59 to 31. But I was like, when I saw that, saw that like note, I'm like, I got to click on this box score. And then I saw the passing totals and I was like, I want to find that game and go watch it. And I'm probably going to do that at some point. So you know, I, I think the quarterback matchup will get a lot of attention from NFL draft scouts. But, I mean, I, for me, it's – and for all of us, it's a chance to watch Caleb Williams at a reasonable hour. Yeah, yeah. Immediately when I saw that, I texted my buddies and, and for a, a little trivia question. It was the last two number one QBs to match up. And uh, it was you said Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence a couple of years ago and then Tim Clouch and Peyton I, I was at Burrow-Lawrence. That was fun, too, because – you're watching and I'm, people that are in attendance at the game when I was at the Lawrence Burrow game and I, yeah LSU won by a lot but watching their when you watch a lot of college quarterbacks from the press box you, you're never like 
Oh, that, that, okay. That's a good arm. That's a good arm. When they were like winging it around, you're like Trevor Lawrence, when he would throw it, you'd be like, Holy cow, that's, that's different. And you could even see it with Joe Burrow too. So that was a really fun game to watch. Moving on number 22, Florida at Kentucky ESPN, Kentucky, not Florida bill, Kentucky by two and a half Mark Stoops, Mark Stoops, Kentucky coach, hoping his fans pound beers. In the morning before that kickoff, uh, Florida had won 31 in a row in this series. But now Kentucky's actually won three of the last five and favored to make it for the last for the next uh, for the last six, I guess. Uh, UK is four and0, but before the year started, would you have guessed that Graham Mertz would have a higher passer rating than Devin Leary because that's the case right now in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, that's transfer roulette. I, I think Devin Leary's throwing some picks. That's the problem. He has five interceptions. This will be a fun game. It's a going to set, you know, this is basically the undercard fight to who wants a good swing at Georgia out of these two. And we know Kentucky will get that soon. Florida a little later in the season. And uh, it should be fun. You know, I, I think Kentucky winning, remember that long streak they had, in this rivalry of losing and now they've got the confidence of going out there. And I like the Wildcats in this game. I think it's going to be fun. They'll have to ground it out. They can't turn the ball over, but uh, yeah, Graham Mertz on the road, early kickoff. They're not worried. I might not from Ohio too. We're ready. We're in the neighboring state. We noon, noon kickoffs and how many beers you can get down before noon. Isn't that big of a problem. Trust me. Big 10 fans. Don't worry about noon yeah, kickoff. They like don't. the noon kickoffs. Yeah, we're, we're, we want those. <laughs> Clemson at Syracuse, the third uh, game in the noon window to check out. That's on ABC. Clemson is a seven-point favorite. Uh, four of the last six games in this series have been decided by one score, including last year's 27-21 Clemson win at Clemson. Tigers had to come back from a 21-7 deficit in that one. Cape Klubnik, remember, came off the bench, saw some meaningful action in the second half. Syracuse likes to run, but Clemson absolutely shut down the Florida State running attack last week. So should be very loud atmosphere with Syracuse undefeated. This is going to be a fun one to keep on uh, in the background as you're going back and forth to watch a little Colorado and then uh, check in on Florida. And then the Syracuse-Clemson game could be the, the best game of the of the three. Yeah, uh, this chance for Syracuse to be ranked too. And, and that defense has been pretty good. Schrader, I, I looked this up last week. I don't know if it's holding true. He's among the leaders of quarterbacks in rushing yards. So they've got some offense there. They've kind of flown under the radar. You wonder how Clemson's going to respond to being out of the mix. And, you know, they could still win an ACC championship. So I anticipate they'll get a pretty motivated Clemson team in that game. But, uh, yeah, of those games you just mentioned, that might be the closest one. They've had trouble up there, too. And yes, it's they like have. Clemson is like – I'm sorry, uh, Syracuse is reminding me of Kansas in that they're surprisingly undefeated early in the year, just like last year, and then both teams kind of collapsed in the second half. And they're both back in the same position this year as off to fast starts, and we'll see what happens with each of them. So I don't know. It should be – yeah, I think that one's going to be really close. Uh, next up, number one, Georgia at Auburn. They are finally leaving Athens. Uh, this one's on CBS at 3.30. We're into the 3.30 window. Uh, Georgia is favored by 14 and a half. Um, 
Auburn does not have their offense rolling, right? Against Cal and Texas A&M, Peyton Thorne, 15 for 26, 138 yards. That's two games. Uh, he has t- taken eight sacks. That's, uh, that's not what Hugh Freeze was hoping for. He was benched. He's probably going to start this week. Robbie Ashford came in off the bench last week. My guess is he's going to struggle against Georgia, and Robbie Ashford will come in again. Um, they lost 27 to 10 to Texas A&M last week. Their only score, only touchdown was came on a scoop and score. So the offense had 200 yards and three points. Um, so what do you think the Georgia defense is going to do to an offense that is struggling like that? People are trying to point to like, oh, it's a rivalry game and Auburn's at home, but I, I do not see. I actually think Georgia's going to kill them. I do too. Yeah. I think this they're is their, due, they're due yeah, for a breakout, aren't they? I do too. I think they're just going to go down there and, you know, it may be, again, maybe not in score board, but like 34 to 10, and it's just ugly. You know, kind of what they did to Tennessee last year, but worse. And I think that's what's going to happen on Saturday. I think Georgia has flown under the radar, and just like the next team we're going to talk about, they 4-0, <laughs> but 0-4 against the spread. Um I think this is one where they put it all together and, and Kirby's not going to feel sorry for Hugh freeze at all. So I, I, I think Georgia comes out running games going Carson back as long as they don't turn the ball over and let that stadium get going. It could be very similar to what Penn state did down there last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brock Bowers finally got going for them last week, 121 yes. yards, two touchdowns. He'd been quiet kind of in through all the kind of the blowouts or whatever, you know, I don't, He's not going to, well, at least right now, is not going to be among the top 10 Heisman finishers like a lot of people thought he might be for his tight end since whenever. And he hasn't had the numbers yet. It still may be to come. We'll see. Right. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Next on the list, we go to, yeah, number two, Michigan at Nebraska. Fox at 330. So that should, that, that'll that pull in a big audience, even though it's a 17-and-a-half-point spread. Michigan is favored by 17-and-a-half. Michigan brings a lot of eyeballs. Nebraska always does, too. Um, I'm, I'm calling Michigan Georgia's twin. They're four mm-hmm. easy, boring home games, 0-4 against the spread. Never really tested, uh, even less tested than Georgia. Georgia had that one game where they, you know, trailed at halftime. Uh, I don't know that they're going to get – tested this week at Nebraska. The, the story coming out of Michigan this week was how they're using Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. And like, if that's your biggest concern, then you're in pretty good shape, I think. Um, so tell me what, from the Michigan perspective, you know, what to expect in their first road game. I mean, this will be tough. 
And the environment will be tough. Nebraska's running the ball well. That'll be a test. I think Donovan Edwards hasn't gotten going this year. You know, 109, 109 yards, uh, 3.3 yards per carry. He has, you know, made up for it. He's, he's pretty good out of the backfield. He has 100 yards receiving. I mean, this is always a fun one for me because that means that the Michigan-Nebraska story I wrote a few years ago about 1997, when you type in Michigan-Nebraska 1997, it's the first thing you see, um, will come up. We, we wrote a fake game story. of uh, <laughs> It was awesome. I, I had so much fun. And I talked to guys like, uh, oh, you know, uh, Chris Howard. And, you know, this was when Scott Frost was at Nebraska. So we, we got him in there and, and Joel McAvicka and they, you know, they, those guys will be watching because they'll be saying we should have beat them in 97. So <laughs> um, always a fun story. I, I think Michigan does win the game, but it'll be tough. I mean, they, they've split two games at Memorial stadium. It's their first road game. Anytime you wait a month to go on that first road trip, you, you, they can't let again. It's the same thing I just said about Georgia. They they really can't let the crowd get into it early. I, I could see this being a little bit like when they played at Iowa last year. They'll win by a couple touchdowns, but you know this is an all in moment for Matt Rule. I don't think he'll have more eyeballs on him than he will for this game, even more so than when they play Colorado because it's in front of the Big Ten crowd. Number twenty four Kansas at number three Texas ABC three thirty. Again, another good network uh, spot here. Uh, Texas is favored by 17. And I, I don't know why it took me a second. I did a double take. Why is Texas number three? That's too high. Like, there's five teams that are better than Texas that I can think like. Uh, they have the Alabama one. Washington's better than Texas. Oregon's better than Texas. Florida State has a better resume than Texas. Georgia and Michigan were giving them the benefit of the doubt. Like, I looked at that. I mean, Make the case for Texas at number three. You have them at number three, too, and you're in the uh, one. They beat, they beat uh, the Alabama. They beat Alabama. They earned yeah, it. Like, so for the Florida State beat LSU yeah. and Clemson. I think Texas. Neither of them at home. Well, I like so that's fine, but I think two, well, Michigan and Georgia have earned one and two, I think, to some extent, because I'm, I'm cool with the way they're playing. I'm not real worried about their scores. Uh, three through nine is flexible. You know, if you want, if, go ahead and put Washington three. Okay. Go yes. ahead and put Ohio State three. I'm cool with that too. Um, Florida State, Texas, uh, any of those schools, put them at three. I think Texas can really prove it over the next two weeks. I mean, they we were saying last week, well, oh, that Baylor game could be tricky. Well, they crushed Baylor. Like, they did. 38-6 if they crush Kansas. I, I think Kansas can hang around in this game. I like this Kansas team a lot. Um if they crush Kansas and Oklahoma the next two weeks, I don't think there'll be much debate because it's just getting through the Big 12 on a week-to-week basis. So I'm cool with Texas where they're at. Um, and I'm cool, but like I said, anybody 3-3, three, three, I mean, if you want to put Penn State 3, go ahead. I, the, the good news is all of these teams are going to sort it out, but I really like that 1-11. through 11, or Yeah, 1-11 is, is pretty solid to me. After that, it gets a little shaky. Last visit to Texas? Kansas 57, Texas 56 in overtime. Walk on tight end. Jared Casey catches the two-point conversion from Jalen Daniels for the win. Texas pounded them by uh, 41 last year, but Kansas will always have that win from two years ago. That was a a heck of a game. That was a fun game. And I like, like, you know, this is going to be a good game. I I do. I mean, Kansas has got a couple running backs that they – 
combined average seven point yards per carry, seven point one. Uh, Leopold's got them going. They won't be afraid. They're physical too. I mean, they've beaten BYU and Illinois. Those are physical football teams uh, in the trenches. So I don't think Kansas will win, but I do think they'll cover. All right, let's move into the evening window. Number 13, LSU at number 20, Ole Miss. Good SEC West battle. Six o'clock on ESPN. LSU by two and a half. LSU, they've been sort of feast or famine, right? They were kind of both in one game against Florida State. They played pretty good in the first half, not so good in the second. Uh, It was a feast at Mississippi State, crushed them. They looked totally dominant, and then they need a walk-off field goal practically to beat Arkansas at home the next week, which I thought was weird. So very Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, Keep an eye on Malik Neighbors, wide receiver, third in the nation in receiving, 131 yards a game. He's been really dominant on the outside. And then on the other side, Ole Miss, they walked into Bama last week, chests out, really thought they were going to win. This was the year, and this high-scoring offense, and they only scored 10 points. Uh, they had their good running back, Krishan Jud- Judkins, was healthy. He was kind of banged up, but he played, and they just could not get anything going against the Tide. It was, they, they you look back at their resume, they were a little shaky at Tulane. They had an easy win over Georgia Tech and then kind of kind of flat against Alabama. So nothing would surprise me in this game is what I'm trying to say. Can't get a real, real good read on either team. No, I, I like LSU, though. I mean, they've, they've obviously had some trouble down there, and Ole Miss will be in a desperate spot. But, you know, Jaden Daniels, as long as they don't turn the ball over, gets the ball out to neighbors, um, I just think LSU is a better team. And that is a tricky spread for all the reasons you mentioned. You know, when you have a road favorite, light seems like a layup. That's when you kind of run into some trouble sometimes. But uh, hard for me not to trust the Tigers in this spot. All right, let's move on to uh, 7.30 on ABC. It's number 11, Notre Dame, at number 17, Duke. Notre Dame, five-and-a-half-point favorite. It's the second of four straight network primetime appearances by Notre Dame. They're going NBC, ABC, ABC, NBC in four weeks. Uh, The first one went well for 59 minutes and 57 seconds. the last three seconds, not so good. Uh, let's talk about. So I saw they had. I uh, found a clip, a, tw- a tweet against uh, the Tennessee State game, mm-hmm. where Notre Dame only had ten guys on defense for a play, and Tennessee State almost scored a touchdown. They didn't. They threw an incomplete pass in the end zone. So does that change your view of, of what's going on here? That they had they had a, an incident earlier this year almost in the red zone with only 10 guys on the field too. Like people were talking about, you know, it's not really a fireable offense, but well, if it's repeated and at a certain system, like it was repeated. Now we know that that happened in week two in a similar, you know, situation you're trying to defend in the red zone. They only had 10 men on the field. Like what is going on? Well, I, I think that demeans the job that Al Golden's done with that defense otherwise. I mean, they still are a top 10 defense, and this will be an interesting test because they can still, theoretically, an 11-1 Notre Dame team will go to the playoff. Uh, they'd have a fantastic case knowing that they lost by three points to yeah. Ohio State at home. Um, you know what I'm but, waiting for in that in that regard? The arguments from the blue and gold faithful. It says they're undefeated with 11 guys on the field. Right. And well, I mean, you can't do anything about that now. You just got to try to make sure that 
that it doesn't happen again. And, you know, statistically, Notre Dame, like I said, there's not we, – we did the Trophy trivia question on the other one where it was, you know, when's the last time Ohio State's been held to 17 points? And, you know, you have to go back to, like, one of those D'Antonio defenses to find it. So, I mean, Notre Dame still 15th – or are we really going to fire a defensive coordinator whose unit is allowing 12.8 points per game, which is better than Oregon and Alabama – and Kentucky, and I can go on. Uh, yeah, they, they've played, but Duke, 8.8 points per game. So this will be a little bit of a slugfest. And, and we've mentioned that Mike Elko, 6-1 and one against the spread as an underdog. I, I think, still think Notre Dame finds a way here. Um, you know, they don't lose too many ACC games in general. So no. they're really successful in that spot. And I think Duke will have their fun in the first half. It'll be a good game, but it's hard not to pick uh, the Irish in this spot. I think it's good for the Notre Dame coaching staff that they're about to play another four quarter game. I think this one's going to be, like you said, a slugfest. That's a good way to describe it. Back and forth. There's going to be important decisions to be made. There's going to be important substitutions to be made, and they're going to have to get right back on the horse. There is not going to be time to dwell about what happened at the end of the Ohio state game, because if you mess around against Duke, they're going to hammer you and, and, Duke should have their attention when they beat Clemson by three touchdowns on opening night and they haven't been tested since, you know, they're blowing everybody out. And so they just got to get right back into the mode that, you know, this is a high level game. This is a fourth quarter game. And let's learn some lessons from the Ohio state meltdown coaching wise, rather than, um, you know, having time, more time to think about it and things like that. So, but the spotlight is going to be on every little decision they make and probably rightfully so. So that one will be a good one. Um, like I said, that's the ABC game uh, at 7.30. Another night game to keep an eye on, number 12, Alabama at Mississippi State, 9 o'clock ESPN. Alabama is favored by 14. Spread seems a little low to me until you remember Bama still has those QB problems. Uh, but Bama has won 15 in a row. Back to 2007 in this series. 2007, Alabama is the answer to every qu- trivia right. question. It's the first time or last time since. Uh, Saban's right. first season. Uh, Mississippi State got him uh, in Saban's first season. Uh, Mississippi State coach Zach Arnett had a good quote this week at his press conference. Quote, they are fun to watch on defense, except the week you are playing them. <laughs> so what do you see in this one? Defense, they, they, that's how they're going to win. You know, they 16 in a row. Uh, last five, an average of 32 points per game. They've been blowouts. This is typically their after LSU game, so it's a little earlier in the season. And I think, uh, yeah, the Cowbells will be down there and, and all those things, but I, I think this Alabama team's starting to re- discover who they are. Milrow will make some plays. Uh, they, they handled Mississippi State pretty easily last year. They nearly shut them out, if I can't remember correctly, because this was the game where Saban got fired up that they didn't shut them out. So, yeah, it's hard not to go with the Alabama in, in, in this one. So, I'm just trying to picture Alabama getting tested on the road. All these, you know, ranked teams are going to get tested on the road a little bit, Georgia and Michigan. I mean, at, at different levels, Notre Dame. Is Alabama – I'm not looking at it right now. Their only road game this year, USF? So far, yes. Which is a disaster. Yeah, so I think so, that's another motivating point. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they – they could run into trouble here, but I mean, for me, it's, it's definitely just Alabama. All right. Last one to mention number seven, Washington 
my favorite Washington Huskies there. I always try to talk about at Arizona, 10 o'clock Pac-12 network. Unfortunately, uh, Washington is favored by 17 and a half. Again, another top 10 team going on the road in conference, solid favorite. We'll see Jaden Delora, Arizona's QB, hurt his ankle against Stanford. He's questionable. Uh, Noah Fafita came off the bench, drove Arizona to the winning touchdown against Stanford in the fourth quarter. Uh, can either of these guys keep pace with the Washington machine? Don't think so. Uh, but, uh, you know, someone's going to have to lose as a double-digit favor on the road. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be Washington, but it's going to be somebody. No, I mean, they're getting a lot of love, and it's Arizona's a good football team. So that they're much improved under Jed yeah. Fish. So this could be their first test. Maybe they don't cover that. I every week I haven't. They're like so when I do these picks files, there I, I keep picking against them to cover. I thought well Michigan State will cover or Boise Boise State will cover and did they play last week? Cal yeah Cal will cover. So I've missed three in a <laughs> row. So I picked Washington to cover this week, and so that naturally means. Arizona That's going to be the jinx cover. for them. Yeah, it's same with Cleveland Browns in the NFL, where like I've picked them to either win or lose wrong each week. So it's okay. So if Washington doesn't cover, you can blame me. All right, let's jump into our confidence contest. I got the results from last week right here. Uh, you pushed on the five pointer. Still mm-hmm. haven't nailed the five pointer yet. We pushed on it with Ohio State, Notre Dame, three points. Uh, you got your four, you got your three, you got your two, and then you missed your one Oklahoma by half a point mm-hmm. at Cincinnati. So uh, you took home, let's see, four to nine, 11 and a half points. The maximum is 15 if you get all of them right, right? You got 11 and a half points. I brought home 14 points. So I got my five pointer in Florida State. I got, I went five, four, three. I pushed Notre Dame at two. So I only got one there, and then I also got my one-pointer as well. So I got 14. So the score is now Trochi 34, Bender 25 and a half. But we're mm-hmm. both hot as we head into the uh, to week five here. So let me get my uh, high-tech CFB Nation podcast technology here, a piece of paper to write down your picks and my picks, and I'll uh, keep track of them through the week. All right, so Bender, five-pointer, what do you got? Uh, LSU minus two and a half. I'll, I'll bite on it. Uh, tricky spread. I just think they're better. I saw Ole Miss's offensive issues. And I think LSU, despite even like, even all the trouble they were having with Arkansas last week, I still knew they were going to win the game. So I'll take a low spread. Hope they win by a field goal. Hope that one doesn't somehow get into overtime, but, uh, the Tigers find a way and then keep their SEC West hopes alive. Yeah, I don't think it's a tricky spread as much as the teams themselves are tricky. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to expect from those guys. But anyway, um, I'm checking the latest line here. I got 21 and a half. Okay, so USC is my five-pointer. Minus 21 and a half. Still got the hook after three touchdowns. But uh, against Colorado, blowout city. I think Caleb Williams, it's just he's they're not going to stop him. They're going to just keep scoring touchdowns every time they have the ball. And, uh, yeah, so the, uh, and Colorado's not going to keep pace. So 21 and a half, five-pointer, give me USC. Okay. I'm going to go for my four, stay with that. We talked about it earlier. Georgia, I think they're due, uh, the, just the blowout. So minus 16 and a half, that, that means they, all they have to do is win like 31 to 10 or 31 
17 even or 31 14 i think they can win 31 14 and uh i'll go with the bulldogs four see latest signs 14 and a half so i'll take 14 and a half then. even better for you yes i'll take that no doubt then yeah yeah all right my four pointer is exactly the same georgia covers uh you know i think the auburn offense is a train wreck and Georgia's due to break out. We talked about that earlier. So I'm going to go Georgia. So we will have the same one at uh, four, at the four-pointer, minus 14 and a half. So we're taking, or at least I'm, I'm having the uh, double-digit favorites cover on the road uh, to start my picks here. We'll see how we goes, uh, how it goes down here. Now, three-pointer for you. Uh, Notre Dame. Minus five and a half. Is that what it's at? I'll, I'll take the Irish. I think they bounce back. I know a lot of reasons to buy into Duke here, but you know, I think the Irish actually learned from their debacle against Marshall last year. They go down there. They take care of business. They've got the better defense, even though statistically right now that's not true. But I think they find a way and get it done. And Sam Hartman's seen Duke before. He'll be fine. Okay. Um, that's going to be a good one, tight one. But, yeah, I can see the Irish covering that one. My three-pointer, I'm finally going with a dog. Syracuse, plus seven mm-hmm. against Clemson. Uh, I like the home dog, veteran QB. Uh, Clemson put everything they had into that FSU game, and historically it's been close up in uh, in Syracuse. The formerly known Carrier Dome, now it's with the what, J and something wireless dome or something. I don't know. It's always the carrier dome to me, but right. kicking problems for Clemson on the road doesn't help. So I'm going to take Syracuse with the points. Who is your two pointer? Kentucky minus three. So that, you know, that's an upset in AP top 25 terms. They'll be ranked after this one. And I think Florida's good defensively, but I think Kentucky at home, they have a grasp on that rivalry. I thought they were the better team at the beginning of the season. And, I'll stick with that. I think the Wildcats get a big win. It. Uh, I'm going to do you another favor. The uh, line's down to one. Oh, so even better. Even better. Minus 1.0. So, I'll take it. So that's a virtual pick. And then I'm definitely taking Kentucky. Yep. Take the home yep. team. Okay. Uh, my two-pointer, I'm going with Louisville. Friday night, minus three and a half. That's a good At pick. NC State. They've been playing really well. Jake Plummer is the second-rated QB in the ACC. Brennan Armstrong is the 12th-rated QB in the ACC. So I like that quarterback advantage. They're coming off a 28-point win at BC. Um, The only thing I'm worried about is the home dog Friday night thing, which I've always loved traditionally. But last Friday night, there were were three home dogs, only one covered. So my, my theory didn't hold last Friday. I'm hoping it doesn't hold this Friday either. So, all right, we're down to the one-pointer. Uh, Kansas, I'll put my money where my mouth is on them. A 17-and-a-half dog gets a lot of points in a Big 12 game where I think the Jayhawks are better. I know they got blown out last year, but I think the Wildcats cover. All right. I was going to go Washington here, but I'll, I'll stick with Kansas. <laughs> all right, so you got you got one dog in there. I am taking my second dog. This is going to be popular in the sporting news offices. Well, there you go. Vanderbilt plus 13 and a half against Missouri as a home dog. The uh, this game, this series has been very close over the years. I think I have a note on it. Yeah, seven of the last nine 
have been decided by 10 or less with the spread being 13 and a half this year. Uh, last year, Missouri won 17-14 at home. Um, first road game for Missouri, just like Georgia, just like Michigan. Uh, they've got a big game next week against LSU, a little bit of a look-ahead spot. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt hasn't shown much, but they have shown out against Missouri traditionally for whatever reason. So I'm going to go with the Commodores, and I'm going to get 13 and a half. Yeah, not bad pick. I think I picked Missouri in our picks because of the Mizzou mob we have in the office. But, uh, yeah, it'll be <laughs> fun. That was a good SEC shorts on the Tigers this week as well. Oh, that was great. Really funny. Okay. All right. Before we get out of here, trivia answer. Let's go back to the 2005 Alamo Bowl. Who were the starting quarterbacks for Michigan and Nebraska in that wild 2005 Alamo Bowl? Yeah, they probably talked about it a little bit, I'm sure, at the last two AFC championship games because one is Zach Taylor, Bengals coach, which it's easy, you know, with him, it's easy to forget that he was that starting quarterback there. Um, and then Chad Henney, of course. Chad Henney was a four-year starter at Michigan. That was a bizarre game. I mean, Michigan got out. I think Michigan they, lost to Ohio State that year in, in heartbreaking fashion. They lost, uh, I believe, um, you said 2005. Mm-hmm. So I think Michigan lost to them and then turned around and they, you know, they you could tell they were hungover in that game. Nebraska was just okay. It got wild at the end. That last play is crazy for those who haven't seen it. And then that was kind of the beginning of the end of Lloyd Carr, which would happen a couple years later when they played uh, App State, of course. But, I mean, that was kind of the first, okay, they need to move on. And then we know it's kind of a very long history. And, by the way, Bill Callahan was the coach of Nebraska in that game. I know that as well. Wow, very good. Yeah, if, do yourself a favor and, and d- uh, dial up the YouTube machine and find that uh, the, the last play of the Michigan-Nebraska game, 2005 Alamo Bowl. Michigan is desperate. They're on their own 30-yard line or so. It's the last play of the game. They're down, I don't know, two, whatever they're down, two, three, four points, whatever it was. They The only choice was to go for a touchdown. They had uh, eight laterals, eight successful laterals. It looks like the play's over. But it's not. The ball squirts out again. A Michigan guy picks up, starts running, and literally half the Nebraska sideline comes on the field to celebrate, and he can't go to the left side of the field. There's too many Nebraska bench players. He's got to go to the right side of the field, but he goes all the way down the Michigan – I mean, all, all the way down the yep. Nebraska 15-yard line or so before he finally gets knocked out of bounds. Refs do not throw a flag for whatever reason, and – Michigan lost the game. They did. So, yeah, that was a fun bowl game to watch, though. I remember that one very well. <laughs> um, I remember it'll that be one. fun. And you watch. They'll start. I, that's a guaranteed bet. Anytime those two play, there'll be some mention in 97 because it's been almost 30 years now. And yet, the and really, the last time both of those schools won a natty. So, uh, they'll bring that up in the telecast for sure. Very good. All right. Well, yeah, it's going to be a fun week five. We'll see all these uh, – Top 25 teams getting tests on the road should be fun. Thank you to everyone for listening to the CFB Nation All-America podcast brought to you by Twisted Tea on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. They'll be all over the Duke-Notre Dame game this week. Uh, We'll be back Saturday night for another live wrap-up show on the CFB Nation YouTube channel. You can uh, join in the chat on Saturday night, probably around 1130 Eastern. And then the show will uh, also show up in your podcast feed on Sunday. 
So enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you Saturday night. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.